0: It's Yolkali.
1: What's, what's up? Hey, y'all. What's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bumping and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow.
2: This show will start Five, four, three, two, one.
3: This Papa Youth Radio was recorded on September 14, 2019 at Creative Chicago, located in Venue 610. Creative Chicago is a multidimensional and multidisciplinary look at creativity in the city in partnership with the Chicago Humanities Festival. Hi, what's up? I am Nine. And I am Melissa. And this is Papa Youth Radio broadcasting live from the Chicago Humanities Festival Creative Chicago revisits Art in the City at venue 610. And, you know, we're going to be broadcasting live through Lumpen Radio 105.5 FM to our Chicagoland area and to the rest of the world through LumpenRadio.com. In today's show, we will talk to various creative individuals who are a part of creating and participating in this event. To explore uh, with a new mayor in place and new ideas circulating about how to develop and sustain the arts, Chicago Humanities Festival will relaunch Creative Chicago, picking up on its key question, what does Chicago need? Through a set of conversation and exercises designed to elicit ideas and how our cities, artists, cultural institutions, and artistic legacies collections can play a role in developing empathy, friendship, and connections across the city.
2: Specifically, our conversations are going to be about race, segregation, equality, activism, and how to like better improve Chicago as a whole.
3: And there, there are many great things happening at this event today. So I'm excited to meet with some of these creative individuals and talk to them about their projects and their evolution. Um, And first off, we actually have our first guest with us. Um, Kenyatta, can you introduce yourself, please?
1: Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Kenyatta Forbes. I'm the creator of a playing card game called Trading Races. The game was designed to highlight or bring or unearth, really, conversations about race, specifically blackness, and kind of, um, I don't want to say force, but it's an invitation for players to really unpack uh, their constructs around what blackness really is.
3: How did you develop the idea to, to approach this game in that angle?
1: I've always kind of tackled race as a, a construct uh, within my artistic practice. So I went to school at UIC and I was heavily engaged as a, mostly as a video and performance artist. But the gamification aspect came um, as a result of spending 10 years teaching for Chicago Public Schools. And so I used games a lot with my students to help them to learn.
3: Awesome, so you taught at CPS schools, what, what else is your profession, what do you dedicate yourself to? Oh
1: my lord, I'm self-admittedly, uh, I, I do way too much, so um, I'm also a fiber artist uh, on top of the video and kind of performance stuff, so I have the card game, I'm also very heavily uh, involved in educational technology, so I do some consulting with Google as well.
3: well that's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more in detail how the game, what it looks like? What can we expect um, for those who are listening?
1: Um, You can definitely expect to be uncomfortable, but in the best possible way. I feel like um, uncomfortable conversations are really the uh, learning edge of being pushed to the next level of understanding. The game is really actually simple to play. So every player puts down um, a card and you debate or have a conversation around... Whose card is the blackest? And so, um, for instance, if maybe you had uh, Kanye West uh, versus Justin Timberlake, who would you determine to be the blackest in that kind of matchup? So there's really no right or wrong answer. It's, it's all about just unpacking what that means.
2: Um, like what, are, what are some ways do you think people could benefit with this game?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. So I've seen this game played mostly... In two spaces, so there's like the social gameplay where it's just really funny and hilarious to play, but uh, it works so well in educational spaces because it um, simultaneously teaches Black history. There are a lot of figures in the in the card game that uh, folks are just not familiar with, and so it's it's great because it becomes cross generational. So um, you know, our older generation or our elders may not know some of these contemporary fi- figures, but they're forced to kind of understand who this person is and what they're doing now so it impacts in that way and then also it's really uh, a social commentary on where we are in terms of like appropriation racism those kind of things
3: can you explain to me a little bit you know how the game revolves around the concept of like deciding what is more black than another person or mm-hmm. another character mm-hmm. can you talk to me about that like concept of like deciding what is like blackness?
1: Yeah, as, as a black woman, it's something I think I actually struggle with on a daily basis. And it's a concept that's so, so malleable. You think of like a polarizing figure like Rachel Dolezal and what her assessment is of blackness and how she identifies and then how we identify her. So there's so many layers to what being black is. There's your own, you know, then there's society. And then there's the, actually the physical space that you um, engage in. Right, so the game forces kind of players to unpack all of those levels and stop and really think. So we make these kind of split decisions, but we don't really stop and say, why do I think that? Where is this coming from? And when you have to do almost this apples to apples comparison, it really highlights the differences there.
3: For sure one thing i remember from a video that i saw of you on three arts i think on youtube i remember you discussing how you grew up in a predominantly like white neighborhood or area and you often felt like you were too black for that specific area and then too white for other people like black people and i kind of like related to that a little bit because like being mexican american like when you're born here and you have relatives who are Mexican like you go to Mexico and they don't think you're Mexican enough and then when you're here you're like not They're Mexican. Not American no-
2: enough yeah yeah
4: yeah I don't know if I explained <laughs> that well no,
3: but that's perfect. yeah basically I could relate to that on on a different angle as being Hispanic so yeah. that was that was really interesting to me how like to come off from that idea that I understood it too and then like see the game and yeah, that was that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, it's it's an interest. It's interesting how that identity really plays out in so many spaces, like within a community. There are also layers to unpack there too. And so, being a black woman, being black American, growing up in like a, like you said, a predominantly white space until I was about 12, definitely had an impact on how I saw my identity and the way that I was able to engage in that space or outside of that space too. So it really kind of like the game also kind of brings that and unearth that too of like what does it mean to be black but also validating one's own blackness in the same breath.
3: So I have a question. So as a CPS teacher, how do you implement these beliefs in the
2: classroom? Or like identity-wise, how do you support yeah. your students with that?
1: I want to highlight that I'm a former, former. CPS, former. CPS okay. teacher. Former, okay, yeah. But I would say that when I was teaching, I think the biggest piece of providing that uh, to students is, one, providing the space, but also understanding and empathy, and that there isn't one cookie-cutter version of anything in we are actually like, designed to be individuals and to, we, need, we need to flourish in that. Um, so a lot of the work that I did with students was not necessarily like, um, how do I put it, diving into them being conforming, right? But it was more about helping them remember who they actually are and supporting that growth. So that could have been through gameplay but also through mentorship and just providing just like a safe space, um, which is something that we all actually personally need.
2: I also think like the idea of a game captures like people's interest more and it makes them more interactive of what like that certain subject is. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's really cool.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that's um a really important um Concept to keep in an educational institution, like remind yourself of who you are. I feel like often I went to various um, schools growing up, and like I felt like when I was in a certain space, I, I had to like kind of put away some of my cultural identity mm-hmm. to fit in and to feel like I, I can relate to other people. And, like, just coming back to the neighborhood that I really grew up in, like, I'm like, man, like, I really wish I would have, like, embraced that a lot more growing up. And I never really had anybody to tell me, you should embrace that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's why I think, like, this is very important as well. Awesome. And, yeah, I like your your quote that you said on your video as well, supporting a genuine opportunity to get it wrong, but a space then to learn how to get it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a constant iteration on growth, right? Everything changes at any, any point in time. Like our language has changed. Um, the fact that you know, 20 years ago we wouldn't have been calling out necessarily like white privilege in the way that we're doing it now. So spaces change as we grow and evolve and um, have more understanding of the dynamics or power, power dynamics, dynamics really. So um, yeah, it, absolutely.
3: And what, what is your intake on spaces like Chicago Humanities Festival?
1: i 'm super excited um, <laughs> so i 'm really grateful and um, honestly honored to be a part of it and it 's such important work to highlight all the amazing things that are happening in Chicago. Um, when I think about my experience, you know coming here, I was born here, but I left but came back when I was twelve. but the city has given me so much um, creatively um, the communities here have supported me so it just feels like an honor to be able to partner with an organization that has the same values as well.
3: That's amazing. Are you excited to see someone else's um, panel? or Absolutely. breakout Absolutely. I mean,
1: all of them, all of them, of course, but I will definitely shout out Folded Map because I have nothing but love for Tonika um, and we've gotten to work together before. So all of the programming that I've seen Chicago Humanities put on has been phenomenal. So I can't say, yeah, I'm excited for it all.
3: Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to share in respect of your project? Yeah,
1: um, I just would like to share that I'm uh, curating and hosting a f- completely free game summit in um, partnership with um, Art to Public Life and Weston Game Lab on uh, September 28th. So, if you just Google um, "We Got Game uh, Game Summit," you can come. There are four amazing panels. You can learn how to actually create and design your own game. Be some vendors and free food. So, uh, please join us.
3: Awesome. And where can we find you online?
1: Uh, if you go to wwwtradingracesgame.com um, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at just Trading Races.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for yep. being here Thank with you. us. Thank you guys. Um, we're going to go ahead and go on a small break.
2: back and this is Papa Youth Radio at WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio and we have a special guest with us right now. Can you please introduce yourself?
5: Hi, my name is Margarita. Hi
3: Margarita. Can you tell us who you are and what you're doing today here at the Chicago Humanities
5: Festival? Sure. Uh, so I teach sociology at Northwestern University uh, and I am here today because uh, I really believe in the arts and I believe that Chicago is the city it is partially because of the arts and I love how interactive all of the programming is today so I came to experience it and to participate and to listen to other people's voices and you know give my own input about arts and creativity in Chicago
3: So you mentioned you're a sociology professor can you tell us a little bit about how uh, from that angle how do you, what's your perspective on the arts of Chicago?
5: Mm, It's a great question. I think that aside from you know courses that think specifically about the sociology of culture we integrate my experience has been that we integrate very little sort of visual culture specifically into sociology courses and I think um, you know for my students it can be a really rich way to learn about the city and to learn about the sociology of the city and Uh, you know, I have them read fiction in my sociology classes, so they're not only reading, for example, you know, research on sociology, because I think there's a lot you can learn and a lot of insight you can gain from, you know, really creative expressions. So I think for me that's like the bridge that needs to keep being built between the sort of more kind of analytical aspects of sociology and the kind of creative expression of the day-to-day lived experience of the people in the city.
3: That's amazing. Wow, I like that. Um, Yeah, so can you tell us uh, about a specific um, panel or breakout session that you're interested to see today? Mm,
5: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm really excited to see how what happens with the folded map project, for example, then translates into more concrete policies. You know, once we get all those voices on the map, and it's an amazing visual representation of sort of the richness of Chicago, uh, and then to have the conversation of, okay, here's what we've all decided the city needs. You know, how do we actually make this happen? And I think the trading race card game is going to be really fun and exciting. Um, I've never played it um, so I'm looking forward to uh, experiencing it.
2: That's awesome. Like what do you think is important to support like artists here and how to like better improve Chicago as a whole?
5: Mm, That's a really great question and I think a tough one. I mean I would say that you know you need funding you always need funding so I want to like always encourage (laughs) our governments to fund the arts and fund the humanities um, and fund creatives but I think Chicago is like really vibrant in this sense and I think creating spaces where artists can do their work and show their work. I think, you know, encouraging people to go to these things, you know, to really attend and to show up, I think is huge. Um, And, you know, always like respect the work, honor the work, pay for the work, you know, like we should really encourage like financial support of artists because it's really important.
2: Yeah. And like bringing these artists, like how as a sociology Mm -hmm. professor, like how do you see supporting artists like would change? this environment?
5: Yeah, that's that's another uh, excellent um, but hard question. As I've gotten older, uh, you know, I've had to focus more and more on certain things and then other things get left out. And I think maybe, you know, as we encourage the incorporation of art and literature and things that are not strictly, you know, scholarship uh, in quotation marks, uh, you know, it can expand the way that we think of these interactions between the social, the political, the creative. And I think it, cre- like it gives us a much better sense of what's actually happening in the places where we live and the places where we work. I think that if we leave that part out, you know, we're living in very sort of siloed, kind of, um, you know, a little myopic ways when we don't incorporate kind of this diversity of expression into scholarship or into education.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I I can definitely agree with that. I'm thinking back on my art history class, and a lot of what we learn, we learn about those civilizations or communities through some of the artwork that was left behind. And like now, I mean, like at first when I was like younger, I would think of like art history, like wow, that's so complicated. Like who like knows about stuff like that, or you know. But now that I'm older, like I learn about how we even got to this point today Mm -hmm. of our civilization and. Yeah, I definitely think that like um, the art aspect can definitely help understand how communities work, especially like in a place like Chicago where you think like, oh, well, it's a city. There's a lot of similarities. But actually in Chicago, it's very split, I can Mm -hmm. say. And I do get a sense of that through like art and specifically for me, like public art. I think that's like a very good way of learning like what's going on in this space, who's occupying this space and like yeah, and that that's just like perfect with like sociology, you know, discovering different groups and stuff like that.
2: And also like seeing how people feel in that certain environment, how they interact with each other. I think that's very interesting, especially expressing it through art, either like spoken or like visual.
5: I just want to add this, these are all excellent points, and I completely agree with you that you know it's an interesting question to think like what um, to think about you know what future archaeologists will say about Chicago, you know, and in 2018, you know, how will they conceptualize what we've done here? And this is why I think archiving is really important. So even something as simple as like photographing the folded map projects and having that archive is like really important because historians, anthropologists, other artists in the future will look back to this for inspiration, for research. You know, so we are creating an archive of the city with this kind of work and that's, you know, as important as the kind of active contemporary work that's actually happening in the space.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally great. also breaking it down differently for people to, like, view it in a different mm. perspective. I, you know, it's... It's great that you mentioned how in the future we will use these resources. I was thinking about how like maybe in the future future when this civilization's not here and like, you know, the new humans discover us, you're gonna be like, Wow, there's there was such thing as like race issues, like who has that? You know, or and like segregation. Just, yeah, and like that. civilizations yeah. that are like very like surprised, like, wow, that really happened so many years ago and that's why you know how you mentioned archiving and from those Memories and histories that are created now, that's, it's super important. Yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there, can you talk to me about like, some of the experiences in the classroom with your students?
5: Uh, sure. So I taught a class on international development. It was an introduction to international development. I taught it from a sociological, anthropological perspective. And one of the things I had asked my students to do is to, compi- to pick an issue that was, you know, felt broadly under the rubric of international development and read a fiction book. About the region or about the issue, and then really com- compare and contrast the way that the issue was being treated in the fiction, in the fiction, like the fiction expression versus, let's say, policy documents yeah. or scholarship. And I got incredibly, incredibly rich and creative responses to this, and I think students really embraced this. And I think what was clear was that there are very different modes of analysis or very different modes of, of. Um, experiencing these same things or thinking about them and I think that was incredibly rich and I've sort of continued to use this assignment because I think it really opens up ways to think about issues that are not always they're not complete if you just read scholarship.
3: Yeah I I think that's a good way to like the reading of fiction can give you a more like way to open up without feeling like you are saying something wrong or saying the wrong thing and like it gives you Like opportunity to be creative, but also apply that into what's really happening in the real world. That's awesome.
2: Do you have any examples? I'm like really curious.
5: Not on the top of my head. Oh, well, one that I remember because it was a really interesting approach and I, you know, originally when I had envisioned the assignment I really thought they would be reading novels, but two students chose to read a book of poems by Rupi Kaur, who you may know. And they really did a really interesting analysis of, and I think I don't remember what the a substantive issue was like what the policy issue was but I mean they did this like amazing analysis of poetry. Contrasted with like policy documents and scholarship. And you can imagine, you know, the different kinds of languages that are used in these different sets of literatures, mm-hmm. the different approaches to like visualizing something, right? The
2: metaphors. The yeah.
5: metaphors, exactly. It's poetry. I mean mm-hmm. it's a cold other genre of you know of, of literature than something like a scholarship or a policy document. So I think that was really rich and I, you know, have encouraged my students to sort of think creatively even about the kinds of texts that they engage with through this assignment. Yeah.
2: I was like, when once you mentioned the assignment, like the first thing that like, popped in my head was Star Wars, because mm-hmm. you know it has like a very subtle amounts of like race wars. They're segregated. There's inequalities. I don't know. It's just like
5: absolutely. And I mean, science fiction, I think, is a particularly rich, uh, you know, place for these kinds of explorations. But you know, lived fiction, you know, kind of contemporary or even historical fiction, can also be, I think, really rich at at really communicating how people experienced changes or how they experienced you know real upheavals in their world where it's not broken down by numbers you know it's broken down by emotions or experience or, or relationships among people and families and communities so
2: yeah
3: yeah at the end of the day that's what it really comes down to right yeah um is there anything you would like to share to our listeners about how to maybe get more involved with the arts in chicago
5: Yes, attend things. (laughs) You know, go online, Google, you know, arts in Chicago. There's so much going on. I mean, some things are, you know, a little less accessible, like the Expo's happening. I don't think it's as accessible. But there's lots of things just happening all the time. Go walk around the neighborhoods, you know. I mean, Pilsen, of course, comes to mind as the first one with all the murals and the public art. But there's lots of public art in the city. So go walk around Chicago and look up, look around you, look down. I mean, there's really a lot. Go listen to some music. There's great music in Chicago. You know, go i mean there's yeah you know go to the i'm blanking on the name but anyway there's lots of like art spaces so just just go like attend and i think that's the easiest and then you'll learn you learn if you want to join something more deeply if you want to get involved with something more deeply you know you meet people you you find you have you know similar interests you it's really exciting to meet artists you know it's like rubbing elbows with celebrities there's a lot like there's really a really rich rich culture of this here so
3: yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you so much you. for being here with us. It was great talking to you and listening about your input.
5: Thank you so much, and uh, terrific job on this. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. And, well, yes, we're going to go on a small break, and remember, you are listening to Yolo Kali's Papa Youth Radio, broadcasting live from Chicago Humanities Festival, Creative Chicago Creative Revisits Chicago. <laughs> are in the City at Venue 610. And we're going on a small break. <laughs>
2: back we are at the chicago humanities festival venue 610 and i'm melissa and i'm nine and we have a special guest with us can you please introduce yourself
6: sure um, my name is tiff Beatty. i'm director of programming at chicago humanities festival which i believe is our primary subject today but also just want to mention um also known as the pyro poet do spoken word poetry and probably best known for an event i do that's called Art Is bonfire Which is a a poetry bonfire cipher in Hyde Park at Promontory Point. So, yeah, that's me.
3: Awesome. Can you, I'm curious to know as the director of programming, what does that consist of?
6: Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's a new role for me, so in a lot of ways, still figuring that out. Um, and we've been through a lot of transition at Chicago Humanities Festival last uh, couple of years. Actually, since I started in 2015, we've just really grown, expanded to uh, starting to do year-round programming in 2016. So we now have a spring festival. Uh, we started off as a one-day festival in the fall uh, 30 years ago. Actually, it's our 30th anniversary. Uh, so we've really just grown over the years, and you know, these last five years especially um, have really opened up a lot of opportunities for you know folks from all over the city to really plug in and I've been you know able to really grow and learn from from the festival over the last couple years so uh, as the director of programming I primarily focus on pitching ideas and themes Um, so we work as a small team about six of us uh, to come together and uh, come up with a theme for the year so our theme this year is power so we're exploring power all year long we started back in March, I believe it's been a long year. Uh, we had a big spring festival, about 30 programs over a couple of weekends in uh, late April and early May. We've done a couple of uh, other one-off programs in, you know, in that time as well as throughout the summer. And then uh, today, actually, we kick off with uh, Creative Chicago Arts in the City, kicks off our fall season. We have a full day of free programs here, which I'm sure you have talked about a little bit already. So we we have lots of stuff going on. um, But right now in the fall is really where things ramp up for us. Um, The fall is always exciting I think for creativity and culture in the city beyond CHF but CHF I think is also has uh, built a reputation for being sort of a destination um, for cultural programming in the fall and you know I just try to contribute to that as as much as I can.
3: That's awesome. So backtracking on the idea of power how did you all decided that that's what we want to talk about?
6: Yeah, no, that's a really great conversation. We always have a, a bunch of brainstorming conversation. This is actually a topic that has come up in the past. If you can imagine, as we come up with themes, you know, power is something that we're always dealing with in everything. Um, it's, as we've discovered, it's sort of a part of everything we do. But it's really the last couple of years that I think we've gotten um, even more concerned about power and, um, you know, thinking about our leadership um, that we have as a nation right now, and just sort of contending with our place in the world uh, this year really felt like okay now's the year that, that it 's time to do it and it, it really also i have to give credit to our artistic director, Allison Cuddy, who you know came up with this idea and pitched it to the team and and we all just got on board very quickly and was like yes that 's it, and we always look for in any theme the opportunity to really explore something that 's important to our audiences but also that will sort of bring out new ideas or, you know, opportunities for people to sort of discuss and debate or bring new perspectives and, and narratives to the story. So that and power has really done that for us. We've gotten really fortunate actually to bring some very powerful people and, and personally powerful women really excite me. So to be able to bring uh, Stacey Abrams, who ran for um, governor and because of voter suppression actually was not, um, you know, the candidate that was chosen. And so since has really dedicated her life, um, you know, she didn't, she's not, she's choosing not to run in 2020 because she wants to continue to do this work around voter suppression because she feels like she's the only one that's really talking about it. And we were able to bring her to Chicago um, in the Spring Festival and to be able to hear directly from her to bring you know our friends from all around the city into one space that was actually at the University of Illinois Chicago. You know I think we had maybe a thousand people there that were there just to hear from Stacey Abrams and we've had you know several other events of that magnitude as well as you know smaller lesser known names artists that contribute a lot to the city and have a lot of power in their own right. and. Uh, that they just need this platform, so we can also, you know, look at power from some of the invisible power that exists in the city that may not be uh, in political positions or, you know, in the traditional ways we might think of power.
2: I like that term,
3: invisible power.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I like overall. What does this organization promote in our fields, in the art field?
6: That's a good question. I mean, I think, and I'm just leaving out of a talk, so I'll just so. Uh, sort of start there I think that one of the things that really came out of the event that we did in 2018 was a theme of friendship and how CHF this wasn't said explicitly in the in the conversation that I just listened to but I just you know applying it to your question thinking about how CHF can be one of those places where you can either you know bring a friend or meet a friend at an event um, build a friendship strengthen a friendship um, through some of these experiences that we're creating one of the Reasons why we're really excited to have you all here, as well as Tonika Johnson, Folded Map Project, and Kenyatta Forbes, because these are all folks around the city that are prompting conversation that are going sort of beyond the surface. And, you know, art can be an opportunity to have some of those conversations that may be a little bit uncomfortable, or, you know, you may not go to a certain part of the city except for to experience that specific art that can only take place in that specific place and so it it drives you or compels you to go beyond your comfort zones and as we know you know chicago is very segregated there are people who specifically i think traveling to certain parts of the city on the south and west sides if you don't live there you just don't go there and there aren't a lot of there's not a lot of publicity around the destinations in, in some parts of the city and so programming in neighborhoods uh like bronzeville and south shore that invites people into these spaces both from the local communities, but also from other communities. And so I think that's one of the things that, you know, we sort of promote as a part of our programming um, is bringing people together, going beyond their comfort zones. It's
3: awesome. Going back a little bit to the theme of power in your perspective, how does power tie into the arts of Chicago and basically the arts movement happening now?
6: If you ask me, it, it powers Chicago. I think arts and culture is very central to what Chicago is today. We have a new mayor, obviously. Our previous mayors have also been, I think, very art-centric, um, even daily, through Maggie Daly and After School Matters was a big initiative to really promote art in the schools. And, you know, lots of criticisms of the programming that we have in the schools. But I think that there's always, and I've done a little bit of this too, there's always teaching artists or programmers trying to get into schools. You know, it's hard with budget and stuff like that. But, you know, we really, I think, as a community do push these things. And I think what we could do better is possibly having a better relationship with our government to work on some of these issues with distribution of funds and things like that. You know, I really would, I'm looking forward to 2020 and uh, the census and encouraging folks to really be counted because I think a lot of the the distribution, at least from my limited knowledge, the distribution of a lot of funds, whether it's federally or locally, will be looking at those numbers. And so a lot of it's about being counted and really you know just trying to be as vocal as we can about what we know we have um, to offer and making sure that we're also being given what we deserve
3: (laughs) most definitely i was just previously mentioning how i definitely feel like art has given me a sense of identity just growing up in like my community i never really growing up thought of like who put this artwork there and now that I'm older, I think, like, I'm grateful that they did because I was able to keep that in my mind and question it and want to learn more about it and even, you know, bring it up to other friends or people who are not thinking about it, you Mm -hmm. know? So I think, yeah, this festival is amazing, especially, like, focusing on the arts.
6: Thank you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share with us about the festival? What's going on today?
6: Yeah. I mean, there's lots happening today. If folks are listening now and, you know, I know this is live, so you still have time. <laughs> um, we'll be here for the rest of the day and even this evening we have a a reception so if you if you come to some of the events during the day you'll be able to stay for that come pick up your chf program guide if nothing else we these are hot off the press Uh, we have them with us here today and this is actually my first time even being able to flip through it Um, there's a lot in it but the festival the festival proper dates are october 26th through november 10th although we do have uh, some one-off what we call large programming because um, they're pretty big venues, and so, you know, we want to give as many people as an, oppor- an opportunity as possible to experience those, so there will be ha- things happening from now until November, or until uh, um, October 26th. But once October 26th starts, it's uh, about 70 programs um, between, you know, just in those three weekends. So you can really sort of fill your calendar up if you would like to with arts, culture. Um, we also do science and history and um, philosophy and, you know, under the umbrella of the humanities, which is really, you know, about how humans express themselves and record and try to understand our world. So including journalists. So we appreciate you all. <laughs> and, you know, we, we continue to, to working with you and um and everyone listening thank you
3: awesome yeah. before we go can you yeah. tell us where we can find pyro poet on the internet
6: yes so the name of the event is art is bonfire um so i'll just spell it out for those of you listening it's a-r-t-i-s so those are two words um and then the last word is bonfire b-o-n-f-i-r-e um so art is bonfire we're on all platforms um you can just Find find us there and we have one more event. So it's the last Sunday in September. We do every last Sunday of the month, June through September. So folks can just really come out to the park. Um, There's these fire pits out in Promontory Park. And we just invite anyone in the park, really, to come and join. We call it a fire cipher. So there's a fire in the middle, and the cipher is the outer circle. <laughs> um, so folks just spin poetry, rap, singing, um, you know, just saying inspirational words. Or and then there's a small fire ritual. So we actually physically burn things and talk about the energy and um, you know the importance really of meditating on fire and remembering that energy um, because we experience all the elements a lot, I think. Um, but fire is one that we don't often get an opportunity to really connect with and so you know whether you're burning a candle or an incense um, or you know however you engage with fire this is an opportunity to sort of do it safely and then infuse some art in there so we can think about the metaphorical language around fire and and how we can apply that to our lives or put the fire out if it needs to be put out (laughs) uh, in danger situations Uh, so it's always safety first but yeah it's it's really a good time um Mm -hmm. we start the cipher around sunset um so we invite you out last sunday this month
3: awesome thank you yes i think it's important to know who's behind the festival you know there you guys are all just as important as the festival yeah
2: totally great yeah Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah,
3: thank you so much for being here with us. And we're going to go on a small music break. And after our break, we're going to have another special guest. So stay tuned. This is WLPN-LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio. And you are listening to Yolo Cali's Papa Youth Radio Broadcasting Live from Chicago Humanities Festival. Thank you for tuning in. And we have some more special guests with us here today. Can you please introduce yourselves?
7: Hi, my name is Tonika Johnson. I am the creator of Folded Map, and I'm also a photographer, artist, and proud Inglewood resident.
8: Hi, Uh, my name is uh, Paola Aguirre. I'm an architectural and urban designer, uh, originally from Mexico, Chihuahua, and I am the founder of Borderless Studio, a research and um, design studio based in
7: Pilsen and Bridgeport.
3: Can you all talk to us about what kind of work do you focus on and what it revolves around?
7: Well, hmm, how do I sum that up? Well, my practice is primarily in photography, but since I've been doing so much photography and community work, it has grown to include, you know, activations and the mapping work with Paula. So it's really a lot of things that I'm still trying to figure out how to describe. So my practice has definitely expanded to include multidisciplinary yes yes that's the word multidisciplinary yes that's that's what I do
8: I I also wear many hats (laughs) I think if we literally had hats our closets would be just Mm -hmm. not enough but um, I uh, primarily a lot of the work that I do focuses in um, connecting communities to design processes Mm. how art architecture landscape architecture um, community planning participatory processes can come together and similarly, like Tonika, I, you know, I do a lot of um, analytical work in maps, but I want to bring those into the public space, into the public realm and working with people, finding ways to making those elements and items accessible and, and, and using them as prompts for reflections and conversations and dialogues that we need, that we think are
3: important to happen in our city.
7: You got great terms. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, can you tell me what is the folded Map Project?
7: Ah, the folded Map Project is basically me kind of using Chicago's grid map as a tool for people to understand Chicago's segregation and how it impacts um, not only the environment and neighborhoods but more specifically our social network and so not only did i photograph addresses that were similar but i also had people who lived on those same streets but in different neighborhoods meet each other to have a conversation about their lived experience and recorded those conversations
2: i like while doing that project like what did you notice between these people or like how they interacted with each other or like yeah. their opinions or views
7: well, what was interesting is observing people have um, just a very basic conversation, but because Chicago segregation is very severe and it really crafts your lived experience, they had difficulties answering just basic questions about their neighborhood because they knew someone else was gonna be saying something that was the opposite and so it made just what should be a regular conversation oh how do you describe your neighborhood Um, is everything that you need in your neighborhood accessible to you questions like that became kind of uncomfortable because you knew someone else was having a completely different lived experience but the commonality is that they're people and they're people who want a better community, and they were committed to engaging in this process.
3: Yeah, I think that was a a beautiful way to put it. I saw some of the videos on the website, and it was it was incredible. Um, I've always thought about like where I live. I'm like, I know there's like a north address to the similar address that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder like, oh, I wonder who lives over there. Or what if I put the wrong address and my address goes over there just because I put north yes. instead of south. You yes. Know? And like that, that's really interesting. How does that tie into some of your research that you do? So I'm a map nerd. I think that's where we connected
8: when, you know, Tonika saw some of the work that I was doing, mapping closed schools and creating maps at other scales and really understanding the role of geography and the awareness of, of us understanding, you know, asking questions about geography. Mm-hmm. And in Chicago, geography, cartography is so determinant. So too many things, like how long do you live? The quality of education that you get, the access of, of employment, the quality of your built environment, and and once we get awareness of that, I think there there's a it's an important collective kind of reflection that mm-hmm. leads into. I do a lot of this for urban design work, uh, community work, uh, and you know that's where we started having this conversation, like how can we use these tools for awareness, not only of those who are in one area and the other, but. You know, Chicago is a big city, and I keep saying mm. the more I map it, the more I, um, I, I'm i aware how little I know about it.
3: And I know that you have a project as well that include um, students and young people.
8: I work with a lot of <laughs> <laughs> groups. Okay. But I, I, you know, this idea of maps um, transitioning into the digital world, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with that, so I'm, I'm trying to bring, you know, the idea of understanding the whole, working with uh, youth groups, I work with, uh, I teach um, uh, also college students, I, I, I teach architecture at the School of the Art Institute, mm-hmm. I work with adults, so I think this idea of bringing geography and the map as a tool to understand territory, um, it's, it's super, you know, it's across generations, you can work with different groups, and, and the insights that come from mm-hmm. those different groups are very, very different, so that's, that's a core part of my, my work, how to, how to connect people with these ideas of places and spaces.
3: It's amazing. And going back to the project, what is the long run achievement that you wish to accomplish with this project?
7: Well, initially, I just wanted to get the concept and idea out of my head. That was the <laughs> that was the goal. Um, but since it's been exhibited, I've actually been using it as a tool to help people understand uh, their connection to Chicago, their neighborhood and each other and specifically about Chicago segregation. And so I've had different ways in which it's expanded, not only doing workshops, but I'm also thinking about um, creating an interactive map where people can access information about different neighborhoods. Um, It expanded into a play that I wanna help bring into schools and hopefully it can also continue to expand into a curriculum. Um, But what I'm really excited about is this possibility of it being an actual app for a smartphone so I have to tell you about that, Paula. So <laughs> that's something that um, I'm really interested in, a way to, to use technology um, under this concept of folded map to kind of bring people together who are interested in um, this this focus, this area.
8: And if, if I may, I think the other thing that brought us together was this core value of you know highlighting inequities
5: mm-hmm. and
8: thinking of projects that help us to come together, To fight for justice and you know if we we don't see it if we acknowledge it if we don't talk about it um you know it's hard to work on it so i think the first step and and full map is so powerful in doing that is let's let's talk about it by seeing it literally and and you know exposing that i think that's the first Mm the first important step and and polid map project has brought up a lot of discussion important and needed discussion around that
7: Oh, thank you. Yeah, and then also helping people understand that it's that personal connection. It's, it's really the relationships. And ultimately, once you connect with people, you can understand these large-scale systemic inequities a bit better. And you can see things from another person's viewpoint. And I just wanted the project to help people know that it's about relationships with each other
3: for sure um i think one of the things we were discussing is you know how art's is a visual representation of what's going on and a lot yes. of times you know we see your drawing and we can identify it but in in regards to your project seeing those videos and like seeing their real people from chicago mm-hmm. and they're expressing how they really feel that to me is important cuz how you mentioned it's the visual aspect of it cuz you know a lot of us humans we want to see something to understand it yeah. and like i feel like a lot of times i'm on the train and i often wonder like you know i have a lot of differences with this person but then again maybe i could have a lot of similarities and mm-hmm. i'm always like questioning like there's so many people we come across and like to actually be able to unite with someone and like hey you you're from over there let's talk like yeah. you know what's going on and that that's really beautiful and being able to see that you brought people together
7: yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's so touching. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I
3: mean, it's, it's important. And like you mentioned, it, it opens up conversation. And I'm really happy that it's expanding into other outlets and hopefully an app. That's amazing.
7: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just um, really want people to understand that we have to... We have to start talking to each other, like Paula said. We have to call out these inequities, and we have to get comfortable with the language um, of of talking about race, of talking about the history of segregation. It's a very real thing, and and it also really feeds into who we connect with and how we think we can connect with people. And so, I really appreciate what you said and you valuing it. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Well, thank you so much, Paula. And um. Tonika, <laughs> <Tonica>, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My <laughs> pronunciations are No, that's quite all right. But um, yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. And we're mm. going to just recap real quick. Today, we had an amazing time at the Chicago Humanities Festival interviewing a lot of creative individuals. Mm-hmm. And we had the honor to interview Paola and Tonika. Earlier, we were with um, Kenyatta, and she was talking to uh, us about the trading races races that her game provides. Mm-hmm. And very informative. Also, we had the opportunity to talk with Tiff, the program director, the director of programming. (laughs) She's amazing. So yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And don't forget that this is WLPN, LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And this was Pop-Up Youth Radio at the Chicago Humanities Festival. Thank you.
1: This Pop-Up Youth Radio show was recorded live from the Chicago Humanities Festival, Creative Chicago Revisit. Creative Chicago at the Chicago Humanities Festival is presented with the generous support of the Terra Foundation for American Art and in partnership with
0: the Joyce Foundation and the Metropolitan Council. Hello, it's me. or visit at yolokaliartsreach.org dot org for more